You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. And yes, the Lord is good and His mercy is forever. Glory to God. We have now with us our telephone, Dr. Adikbigo Gwale. Doc, good morning. Nice to have you one more time. Good morning, Brother Femi. It's always a pleasure to be with God's people. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Uh, we uh, we have those two questions. One on gambling, which we attempted earlier on, but we want to revisit it and have it well documented. And let's see if we can get to that second question too about polygamy. You know, I, I think for, for the person who said that question about polygamy, there, there's been some news recently about um, one popular actor in Nigeria who got married to a second wife and started all the debates all over again. And people are asking that that question. So let, let's begin with that uh, with that question on, on gambling. And, and, and I'll read it out shortly. Just give me one minute and I'll read it out now. Just so it documented here right now. Okay, this is the question. We sent it out to many of our listeners yesterday. So if you have views and opinions that you want to share on it, please don't hesitate to do so. This is the question. It says, what is the Christian argument against gambling? Gambling is so prevalent among our youths today. That's it. That's what we received anonymously. Doc? Well, thank you for the question. And I'd like to appreciate the fact that the person who asked the question mm. highlighted the the prevalence yes. or the increasing prevalence mm. of gambling in our world today. Yes. By no means is gambling a recent development. Absolutely. For several years, people have participated in every form of gambling that we may conceive. Mm-hmm. Is it by pools betting, or by gaming, or, or by lottery? These are all forms of trying to establish, mm-hmm. by probability, your chances of failure or success. Yes. Indeed, in mathematics and statistics, there is an element of those sciences that reflect the human understanding and construction mm. of chance. So, as a matter of fact, from a very etymological perspective, mm-hmm. that is looking at the origin of words, yes. we see that gambling is basically from a root word that means gaming game, yeah. or playing a game. Now, when you play a game, there is always a sense of uncertainty and then you place your bet on your knowledge of certainty driven out of uncertainty yes so in a sense gambling is telescoping into levels of darkness you never start in light you start in darkness and then you try to devise light out of darkness you can never know it is only the person who holds the bet who knows the answer. And therefore, from a very original construction of the whole affair, mm-hmm. you can see that gambling must have originated from a region of testing uncertainty. 
God has never been uncertain. Exactly. God has always been certain. And I say that respectfully. Mm-hmm. So indeed, God is above certain. But for us to be able to understand it, as human minds, mm-hmm. we may reflect on certainty and God and conclude within the limits of our human understanding mm-hmm. that the minimum is that God is certain. For example, when people say that he is the ancient of days, mm-hmm. now the ancient of days is a limited revelation of somebody who cannot even be dated. Exactly. Yeah, so he created time before because he was before time. To that extent, to call him an ancient of days is just a way to express the awesomeness of his greatlessness. Oh yes. And we will leave it at that. So if we now say that same God who knew figures before they began and knows uncertainty and certainty of the most certain order. He can never be involved mm. in gaming. He's only certain. But that means he knows the end from the beginning. The beginning. And so if you know the end from the beginning, you can be sure that if there is any game in which you do not know the end from the beginning, then God cannot be playing that. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, that genius of all time, Albert Einstein, yeah. was reputed to have said, God does not play dice. Exactly. Now, to that extent, anybody who wants to play dice or subject himself to any other form of probability of all certainty must know that he's operating beneath the standard of God. So that's the first thing we must understand. Exactly. So to bring God into it, and to imagine that maybe God is involved in it in any way. Mm. For example, if you are going to Gabon and you are praying that your child should be brighter, it's a travesty of godliness and divine opportunity. Yeah. I, I, because I, God I, will I, never. Yes, Doc. And as you go along, a question just came in, so just bear it in mind as you go along. This person is, this brother is asking, what is the difference between gambling and casting lots? Gambling and casting lots. So just put that in mind as you, as you continue. Ah, very good. So, the, the point here is that any form of probability mm. that is a human affair. So, by the time you bring the concept of casting lots, mm. it starts from certainty. That's where it is different. Exactly. But it ends in uncertainty. That is the, the difference between gambling and casting lots. What am I saying? When you cast your lot, mm. you know your own answer. Exactly. But the lot goes into a pool. And then the final person comes out by counting of the lot. But the probability that you will win, you can never know it. Absolutely. But the certainty that you have voted for someone Mm. Because casting lot is basically election. Election, yes. You elect. So you know the person you have elected. But a gambler doesn't even know the value of the number he has selected. Because it's a random allocation of the end. 
but for the casting lot, it is the counting and location of the of the end. So random and and, and counting, they are different. Mm-hmm. So that's where I will draw the difference. Okay. So for example, for elections, they will talk about gallop polls. By the time they are looking at the gallop polls, they are looking at the certainty of certain people mm. that they will vote a certain party yes. or a certain candidate. candidate. But in betting, in gambling, there is no element of certainty at all. Okay. You, in fact, you may be putting the number in a pool that is not considerable to you for the electorate. Mm-hmm. The pool is considerable. So you, you can actually estimate exactly. that if we were to win so many states with two thirds, mm. our candidate would win. There is no such certainty or probabilistic uh, appeal in gambling. So they are different. And in the Bible, where you now see casting laws, mm. particularly in the New Testament, you see people expressing their godly opportunity to demonstrate their divine leading. Mm. What am I saying? And as a group of people, we don't want to impose on Brother Peter yes. that he should choose Brother Matthias. Mm-hmm. If he feels led that another brother should be chosen, he should be able to indicate it. And when we have all voted or cast our lot, mm-hmm. we will count the number and by a majority, being all led by the Lord, mm-hmm. we will say, okay, think that this majority tend to agree on Brother Matthias. Yes. Now, to a large extent, that is still a human, you know, injection into the divine certainty. Yes. And we have accepted that as Christians, mm-hmm. That ultimately those who are in the majority in casting lot amongst us as believers are likely the people who got it right. Mm-hmm. But is that the case all the time? In fact, sometimes in some churches, the majority come into a conspiracy of ungodliness. Of course. So even casting lot is not at the order of God's certainty. But it is certainly different. From, gam- from gaming, gambling, or lots of pools. Yes. And we must put that aside. Mm-hmm. So I was saying that God being certain cannot be involved in gambling. So let me give you an example. Imagine you run a, bull, a pool agency or a betting agency and God came to play in your agency. Will, will you ever lose Hmm. Even if you had a million numbers, yeah. God would get the winning number all the time. Now, the essence of gambling is to lose the winning number mm-hmm. most of the time so that you can pull the resources together yes. and pay the occasional winner yes. and report the frequent losers. God can never be involved in that. There's no lot of pressure. We're hoping that people will get the numbers right. 
Exactly. He's hoping that they will never get the numbers right. And then once in a lifetime or once in 10 years, they might get it right. And he would have had all the money yeah. to be able to only pay a stipend mm-hmm. to, the, to the winner and to get the rest of the money for himself, for herself, for themselves. Mm-hmm. So it is essentially driven by covetousness. I shall come to that very shortly. Now, let us look at an example of Jamie in the Bible. A very unfortunate example was our, our elder in the faith called Samson. Mm. So, in the book of Judges, we see that though, though Samson was so anointed, he chose to be a rather playful fellow who decided to be engaging in games with the Philistines. Yes. Yeah, so we see that in um, Judges chapter 14, he gave them a radio, believing they would not get the answer. And they would not have gotten the answer. Mm-hmm. Now we can say that God was using that as an occasion against the Philistines. Because in chapter 13, God has started moving him in between Zora and Eshtao. Mm-hmm. So we can assume that he was doing things as he was led by God. But as always, when we are led by God, our human tendencies and proclivities mm. tend to come into play. Absolutely. So, um, um, Samson was a playful person by nature. So he said, I give you a riddle. And they couldn't solve the riddle. And he said, they didn't solve the riddle. But they would give him 30 sheets and 30 change of garments. Mm. And they said, give us the riddle. So in verse 14, he says, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. For three days, they could not start the riddle. So when it was on the seventh day, because he gave them seven days, mm. they came to Samson's wife. Yes. And they said, declare the riddle to us. Verse 15. Otherwise, we burn you and your father's house. Have you called us to take that which we have? Is it not so? That is your hallmark of gambling. Yes. One party trying to take what belongs to another party without consent, care or compassion. That's what it is. Mm. God cannot be involved in that. So eventually, what happens in every betting when you have opportunity? If you break the, the, the court, you look for a way to get the better of the other person. You cheat. So they went to cheat. Mm. And they got the answer. And that led to a lot of problems. And it led to murder. As you find in gambling today. Yes. When the bets are high, the money involved are large. People get killed. They get sent to prison. Lives get destroyed. Mm. So ultimately, by the time we got to chapter 16, Samson took the, the worst bet of his life. He was a man on a hill near Hebron. Mm. 
and he saw a woman in the valley of Sorek. By the law of gravity, if they pull each other, it's likely that the person down, that, that is down, will pull the person that is up. Yes. And that is the spiritual background. In gambling, when you start, you will always be up. But the advantage is always with the person who has the numbers. <laughs> so you eventually be pulled down. down. So ultimately, gambling ruins anyone. Even for those who win the money, mm. they win it by covetousness, they lose it by, 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 by recklessness. Mm. So I have not heard of anyone who won large amounts of money from gambling and succeeded in leading a responsible life. Exactly. And using the money for anything substantial. No, no, no. The spirit that led to gambling is the spirit that causes the person to waste the profit. Exactly. In fact, there I, will I, be I, no winner. In fact, I can tell you that there is a documentary on Netflix on like the number of people who lost it all, and and you'll be surprised to see the number of gamblers who won, you know, each amount of money, but you know, lost it all and and, and went back to their, you know, to, to, to their former state before they win. That's what would happen. As you study the Bible, you will see that really something now did that. There was no going to be a winning for him. Ultimately, Delilah and Samson got into betting. Tell me, such of energy or your power, then he cheated the future. And ultimately, as we don't gamble, you will place that date, that final date, that largest date, that most critical date, that will end everything. Like, oh, this woman has vexed me. I'm going to tell her. Because actually, Jansen was betting on the fact that maybe there was no certainty about the hair. And so what? When he got, that, he got up from the, the sleep, he thought he was going to be able to do what he used to do. But at last, Samson had lost his eyes, had lost his all at his strength, and eventually lost his eyes. And Samson came to an end ignominiously, although he killed more at his death than in his lifetime. I used to follow me. Hello? Yes, yes, we're following, Doc. All right, so at the end of the day, Samson is an example. Of what happens to a man who gambles, he loses his strength economically, financially, spiritually, maritally, socially, emotionally. He loses his vision. He cannot move. He will be bound in a dungeon. And in the end, it will be a story. It will be a lesson, mm. not an example. Exactly. Now, so let's move on to that scripture that now tells us a few things about the mindset of a gambler. Mm. So uh, and I will not have much time on that, but I will just um, mention a few verses from Proverbs chapter 28. Okay, Proverbs 28. The Bible says, from verse 6, better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways. Though he be rich, gambling is perverseness. Mm. How do I know? You want to win a million dollars without working a day's job for it. 
It's perverse. So you are not a good person. You are evil at heart. Because for every hundred thousand dollars, there would have been several families ruined to deliver that into your pocket. But you couldn't tell us, could you? Mm. That's it says, he that by injury and unjust gain, my focus is on just gain. What is the justice of gain? Yeah. What you work and you earn. But you don't want to work and earn. You want to earn by chance. That is unjust. If you increase your substance by that, you will gather it for him that will pity the poor. Mm-hmm. Now, by the time you come to verse 18, the Bible says, Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. But he that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. And most gamblers will fall at once. Or sometimes in the final fall, that is the one at once. They fall in the grease as well. Now, look at verse 19. He that killeth his life shall have plenty of bread. But he that followeth after them persons shall have poverty enough. Mm. So when a man is a gambler, he's a follower of them persons. Mm. Have you gone to a gambling spot and seen great men, disciplined men, decent men, remarkable men there? <laughs> no, 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 no. You see them persons there. Speculators. Speculators. Who are trying to, to, to seize the world of others. Now look at verse 22. It gives you the underlying principle of gambling. He that expects to be rich hath an evil eye and considered not that poverty shall come upon him. Not may come upon him. Not could come upon him. But secondly, poverty would and shall come upon him. And verse 26 to end that. He that trusted in his heart, in his own heart, is a fool. The underlying principle of a gambler is that he must trust his heart and hope that his intuition will guide him right mm. without any input from divinity or the power of the Holy Ghost as ordained by divinity. So, but also work at wisely, he shall be delivered. If you are a fool, you are not wise. If you are wise, you are not a fool. Mutually exclusive issues. So from these scriptures, we draw parallels with gambling. And we see that we are loudly warned that we should avoid the principles that underlie gambling. And to that extent, we should avoid gambling. Mm. Let me now say that Jesus was said when a brother came to him, yes. I said, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Mm. He told that brother, that I got that somebody is judged over you to divide inheritances. Exactly. But he then told him that the most serious problem is that you are covetous. Mm. He didn't say that frontally, mm. but that is the message. Exactly. That what drives a man to want to gain from inheritance what he will not gain from hard work is covetousness. So from these scriptures, we understand that the principles have no place in God and not, you know, established by Christ and not encouraged by Him mm-hmm. and no principles of the Christian life. 
And as I can only roundly conclude that gambling cannot be a godly enterprise. And a man who will grow in godliness, in sobriety, in righteousness, cannot engage in gambling. Mm. Sooner or later, it will take you down. Oh, yes. I would like to end it there. Thank you so very much, Doc. I, I think that, that that's a beautiful presentation of it. Uh, I, I can understand why the question keeps coming up. And uh, you see, we must accept the truth of the Bible. And I love the way you, are, you have um, um, alluded to Luke twelve thirteen and explaining it there. Because, you know, when that man said, Jesus Christ, tell my brother to divide the haters with me. Uh, we took, I mean, people continue to be taken aback by the response of Jesus Christ. You know, he just went straight to that issue of covetousness. I mean, people struggle to see the link between the two. The man was saying, tell my brother to divide the haters. And Jesus, Jesus said, look, be careful, be careful. Be careful of covetousness. And it's true, and it's true. I mean, you are wanting to get something that is not yours, that you have not worked for. You know, you should be looking at, you know, reaping, reaping from where you have sown. And that, that's the principle of... Not where you have not sown. Exactly. That's the principle of the word of God. Thank you very much. If you still have question, you can send it in and we can always send it to the only after this. So, uh, Doc, can you quickly address that question on, on polygamy as well? Yes, I'm looking at my time. The question on polygamy yes. is a very simple one. Hmm. Marriage was ordained in Genesis, primarily Genesis chapter 1, mm-hmm. when he made them male and female, so that we know that uh, the male should marry his female. Because in Genesis chapter 2, he brought one female to one male. Mm. And then when he began to construct how marriages will evolve, he said, therefore, shall a man uh, leave his father and his mother mm. and cleave to his wife. Mm. In some other scriptures, yeah, there is the essence of his own wife. Mm, exactly. That's so I, I think the, the issue there is that if you understand the original spiritual intention of marriage, you will realize that there can be no polygamy in the conception of God. Oh, yes. So let's look at the original construction. He took a rib out of Adam and brought an Eve made from that rib. Now let's now assume that I am a polygamist mm. and I have three wives. We are supposing that God must have taken three leaves out of me and has brought three women. Exactly. If that is not within the conception of Genesis chapter 2. True. So from wherever it is coming from, there is no godly template for it. So why people might say, that the patriarchs mm. were polygamous. Mm. I mean, Abraham, yes. Jacob, Jacob, David, and some other patriarchs. Yes. This is the point I'm making. In the heart of them, Adam was some polygamous. Isaac was some polygamous. So why are we choosing certain examples over the other? Exactly. When we know the original concepts. Abraham was not perfect. Uh, that uh, was uh, when God told him one before me. Exactly. Uh, and the uh, blameless. Yeah, exactly. And even Job. And when God restored Job, he did not restore to him many wives, you know. <laughs> no. 
is because he had only one before. Exactly. And it was a good example to us. The Bible says he, he was uh, the most righteous man mm. in the land of course at the time. He was a perfect man. Mm-hmm. And he had one wife. Peter was not a bad man, made perfect by the Lord. We heard about his mother-in-law. In-law, exactly. Not, not his mother-in-law. Exactly. He had only one wife, I suppose. Mm-hmm. People have argued that Paul, to have been a Pharisee, but have had a wife, probably she had died. Probably. That was why he had no sister to live about. We didn't hear of the early Christians who had the newness of life having many wives. Many wives. True. Except in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Where the Bible now reiterates the point that a bishop must be the husband of one wife. One wife. That a deacon should be the husband of one wife. Supposedly, there were brethren in those churches who had polygamous settings. And to that extent, they could neither be overseers or servants of God's table. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, mm. In verse 20, the Bible says, Let every man abide in the calling wherein he has been called. And that probably suggests that if a man became born again, when he had already become polygamous, mm-hmm. that he should not just rush off to do the restitution. He should come down first mm-hmm. and see what the Lord will lead him to do. So in the process, in a church, you can find polygamy. But they are not examples. Exactly. They are lessons. They are lessons. And so an example is who you copy. A lesson is somebody you will promise you will never become. Mm-hmm. And so why must I follow a lesson? One I can follow an example. An example, yeah. So, to, to, to my mind, I think people want to live in the newness of life with the mind of falling man. It came out of falling man to marry more than one wife. And in the book of Genesis, the first polygamist, I can't remember his name of, of the covenant, mm. was not a man who lived for God. So, to that extent, we saw that Esau also was a polygamist. He didn't live for God. Jacob was a polygamist. Mm-hmm. Until he got to, he got to Pernier. He was living for himself. He was, he was a reckless fellow. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Who, who married the younger sister and the elder sister. And he doesn't know anything wrong with the same with the young girl. Mm. How can that be my own example? Who himself had to slug it out with God at Penya. And at Penya, which means the face of God, he came to confront his challenges at last, his weaknesses at last. And because in weakness he was framed, mm-hmm. he remained a polygamist. Yeah. Because the time of ignorance, frequently God has overlooked. For some of us in the newness of life, restitution will be mandatory. That strange woman must leave your house. Mm. That strange man must live your life. So what a polygamy or polyandry 
These are aberrations of fallen man. Yeah. And the conceptions of blackened minds. Let's not uh, say that because they exist, they reflect for us an alternative. No, 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 they do not. They reflect only for us an aberration. An aberration. They are not viable alternatives. No, they are not options. They are aberrations. So let us return to Genesis. Let us speak to the original plan where we are falling into error. Let us start by abiding first in the calling where we have been called. Mm-hmm. So if you are a polygamy, I'm not telling you on radio now. Send your wife and your children back. Certainly not. Mm-hmm. If the Lord will have you do that, there will be processes. Mm-hmm. There will be steps. It will be given time. But the Lord loves the sinner. Of course. He only hates his sin. Oh, yes. So God will lead you on what to do. And should the church of God be confused as to where we ought to stand? We are only encouraged to make leaders of those who are exemplary, not those who are vital lessons exactly. for the body of Christ. For the Bible says in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, to be an example of the believer in word, in conversation, mm. that is in your conduct. And in charity, in faith, in spirit, in purity. What is the purity? In sleeping with three women on that under your roof or not on that separate roof. Exactly. No, no, it is totally impure. For none of the women can simply say that their bodies have been joined to yours. For their bodies are joined to those of those other two women. Hmm. And where two bodies should be joined? We have at least somebody joined in serious permutation and combination. There is nothing pure about that. It is an amalgam of errors. Mm-hmm. And God cannot be pleased with it. Oh, yes. Let us only make leaders of those who are examples, not those who are lessons. Mm-hmm. And I conclude this way. The Bible says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Monogamy was born by the spirit. Polygamy was born by the flesh. By the flesh. Let us throw the path of the spirit. And we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Exactly. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so very much, Doc. And, and I think, you know, following that point as well, we can draw parallel from when, when the Lord was addressing the issue of divorce. And he said to them, it was not so from the beginning. You know, it was not so for not the so. It was also for the beginning. Not so. As you have mentioned, it, 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 this, this is a creation of the flesh, not a creation of the spirit. And I think something you have emphasized throughout your presentation today that we, we should hold on to is, you know, uh, let us look to those who are examples and not uh, those from whom we should learn lessons. If we should be learning lessons, let us learn the lessons. But if we have to emulate, let's look at uh, those who are examples. The examples. Examples. Thank examples you, sir. Of Thank you so much, Doc. This has been another beautiful time. We are always grateful for uh, for you making time for us on Gospel Best Radio. We give God all the praise. Let's have a word of prayer. Please go ahead. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Because these questions are cries for help mm-hmm. from the minds of men who struggle with weaknesses. For we all struggle with the weaknesses of the mind that was bequeathed to us mm-hmm. by the flesh 
But Lord, we ask that by the power of the Spirit, we overcome the carnality that may be present in our minds. Mm-hmm. And we receive grace to receive the truth. The word of God is witness that our souls may be saved. Every argument against the truth of God's standing will not stand by that shall prosper. Amen. So the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty to go to the pulling out songs, casting down imaginations, and every thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of the Lord. Yes. Bringing under captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yes. We are ready to punish every disobedience. When our obedience is complete, complete. Lord, we grace to walk in complete obedience and not to give allowance for the flesh to fulfill the lost zero. Give unto us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When people have said repeatedly, you told them in Luke that you were going to do something with him, mm-hmm. that you will convert him, and that after his conversion, his faith will no longer fail. And he will be able to strengthen his presence. Oh, yes. I pray for all of us on this platform. The work of conversion, let it be total, permanent, and complete Amen. in our lives. Amen. That our faith will not fail. Amen. And we'll be able to strengthen our brethren also. Amen. So any brother struggling with gambling disorder or gaming disorder, I pray over your life. Any sister as well. I pray over your life. The Bible says that Israel the anointing the yoke is broken. Mm-hmm. I declare that the yoke of it be broken over your life. Amen. For the Bible says that you have broken the yoke of his body, the rod of the, the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of the oppressor. And as in the day of Midian, I pray that every rod of oppression coming by gaming be broken in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody is laboring under loss, and desiring to go into sexual indiscretions and receive for you the grace that overcomes every sin. Amen. So Amen. the Bible says, where sin abounds, that grace abounds much more. Oh, yes. Give us grace to be contented with godliness Amen. and let covetousness have no power over. Amen. For so gaming and polygamy, they are all variants of covetousness. Mm-hmm. Walk mm-hmm. upon our hearts, so God. That that which will give us will be our satisfying portion. Oh, yes. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 They are both variants of covetousness, and that's that, that's so true. That's so true. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, God. God bless you. God bless you, Rico. You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ.